Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 74. If you want to check out my past shows, you can go to callthatgirl.biz slash office365. If you're new to the show, what is the show about, you might be wondering. Well, it's about me and my Outlook jobs, my Office 365 work I do, and sometimes it's just me and sometimes I have a guest. This week on the show, it's just going to be me. And I think moving forward, I'm going to start having shorter shows. Um, I think I can actually get more out if I do 20 to 30 minute Short shows, commute size, smaller bites that people can listen to on the go. And plus it'll help me because I let you know what it's like when I have to format a show and come up with ideas. Sometimes it's really, uh, it's a lot of work for me because I want to make sure I have good content. And then if I get too busy, I get too exhausted and I don't want to do a show. And I think that I have to commit to a full hour and I'm like, ah, fooey. I'm just going to do a show, get it out the door and done. And I mean, I could probably do a daily show with how much stuff is going on out there, but uh, but I thought I'd just do shorter ones more often. And sorry, I haven't had a show out in a few weeks. I've had, um, man, January's been kind of nuts, you know? It started off slow where I didn't have, you know, I didn't get excited like I did last year, the first week. You know, last year, I don't know what happened, but I just kind of was like exploded. And this year I was, I had a lot of calls, I'll admit that. And a lot of people calling in for Office 365 Consulting, and and that was exciting, but not many people booked. So I get, trust me, I get a lot of tire kickers. Because people, you know, they want to find out how much things cost and how the business works and, and if I have contracts. And, and, you know, people are very excited about moving to Office 365 right now. So make sure you're on your game if people start calling a lot because there's millions of customers out there for us, folks millions we just got to be ready for them and not every business is the right you know match for every other business so make sure you have your your game down when they start calling that's one thing i've kind of learned is how to get my game in order but so anyway back to january um then the second week got busier and last week i was freaking sick and completely swamped and it really sucked for me on monday because i had to take monday off completely I couldn't even see, okay? (laughs) And when I can't see, I can't remote in and have good judgment. So unfortunately, Monday morning, I woke up and was like, oh my God, I have to call out today, which I never do. And I was so lucky. All my clients were awesome. They were like, we get it, you know, whatever. But then see, I had to reschedule them for Tuesday and I already had bookings for Tuesday. So Tuesday was a solid pink line for me. I say pink line because in my calendar, I use the color pink. And it was pink all the way down. I had no room and I was still sick. And I was like, oh my God, it was horrible. (laughs) I didn't even have time for an afternoon nap. (laughs) And when you're sick, you want that. But so anyway, Wednesday calmed down a little more. And then Thursday, I was back to the game and stuff like that. So anyway, January has been kind of nuts for me. I'm hoping to have things more managed now. I still have a little cold, but we're going to make it through, I think. I don't get sick very often because... I work from home and I live in a fortress and I'm not around children or other people. I'm sure many of you work from home too. They're listening and you probably feel the same way. Like when you do get sick, you're wondering, how did you get it? 
because you're not, you know, out in the general public. But anyway, so before we get going on the show here, I want to take a minute to thank our friends over at App River. They are email and website security specialists. I've been using them for, well, almost four years now to do my sales and support for my Office 365. And if you want to get in touch with my rep, uh, you can contact Steve Harris at sharris at appriver.com. All right. So in the past, like I said, month, the business has been on and off. I mean, it's, it's still doing pretty good. I'm, I've made my numbers so far, but, uh, I do a lot of side work outside of this podcast and some of the side work I've been doing is a lot more writing and i you know, I kind of love writing, but it has to be for the right thing. So I've been finishing up, um, an article that I've been asked to write for the American Bar Association, uh, for their GP solo magazine. And they were like, Hey, we'd like you to write an article for our April edition. And what do you, you know, want to write about? And I was like, well, what do lawyers want to learn about outlook for me? So I was like, well, let's do simple troubleshooting steps. You can do yourself. Well, the article turned out to be a really good write up. And I'm real proud of the fact that I got it back from the editor with very few edits needed. So that to me was a something I was very proud of that I wrote a decent article anyway. But that's one of the big projects I was working on. And then before January, I finished up uh, my Outlook training for technicians video set, which I think I've talked about on the show, but I haven't really announced it, you know, that it's complete and done. So if you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you to check out the sales page. But I'm going to tell you that these videos, the Outlook troubleshooting for technician videos has taken me I think I started working on this project in 2014 and I started it then I put out an event on Eventbrite. I put it out to my social media, all my newsletters, very few people signed up, very few people were interested. But the strange thing is I kept getting people that were asking me to make them. So I was like, all right, I'll do a webinar. Well, there was not many people that signed up. So then I put the project away. Then a year later, it came back to light. And I was like, well, maybe I'll try it again. Well, during those two efforts, I'd actually put together a very, um, well, probably, I don't even know how to say it. I had like 16 PowerPoints just detailed down to each thing that could go wrong with Outlook. And between those, in those PowerPoints were like 15 slides. So, I mean, there was a ton of content that I wanted to teach. So the, the first webinar I was going to do, I had that scaled down because I felt it was too much for a webinar. And the second time around, I was like, okay, I'm going to go big on these webinars and make it a fully trainable course. And that didn't work out. So then last, uh, about, I think it was in September of 2016, I decided to try it again and I was going to do another webinar, but I was going to do small webinars to make the whole PowerPoint, you know, all those slides in into a few different webinars. And again, the technicians weren't into it. And the thing is, I think what bothers me is that there's so much to learn about Outlook and there's so many little, little crazy things that can happen that I just really wanted to train it all. Like someone take my brain and put it out there somehow. An ebook wouldn't have been good. The webinar would have been okay, but the training videos I made will last forever. So in September, when I put out the webinar idea again, I didn't have very good sales. And then at that point, I'd already worked on the PowerPoints again. So they were more fine tuned for 
what's going on right now with 2016 and Office 365. And then I um, was kind of felt defeated, you know, like, oh my God, does anybody want these videos? I don't think so. So for two months, I was on the fence with, should I do, should I try a different marketing avenue with the videos or try something else? And then finally on Thanksgiving night, I went over to a friend's house. Um, her and her family came here to Vegas to stay for the holiday. And I actually just had like a, a really awesome night hanging out with a real family. You know, I hadn't, I haven't been home myself in a couple years. So I was like, this really felt good. And I came home that night and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get those videos done. I'm not going to give up on my dream of getting the content out there. And I said, no matter what the masses will buy or not, I'm getting them done because I'm an entrepreneur and I kind of felt that if I put the project away and didn't finish that I would never forgive myself. And you know, many of you listening are entrepreneurs and you probably feel the same way I do. You want to do these side projects because you love doing them. Even if you make money or not, it's something you just want to get done. And I, I tell you, I came home that night and I was like, okay, so we're starting tomorrow. Now I'll tell you how long it takes to make videos. Okay. First of all, before you make a video, you have to have all the content down perfect. And I'd already had the content down perfect. So I was good there, but then you got to set up your, your computer and all of the tools you're going to use and show in the videos. So that actually was my next morning was now that the game was on, I had to get the computer prepped. And since I use my own computer with my own outlook and my own email accounts, I had to do a lot of prepping to get those ready for, to, to, um, start the recording. Okay. Then you start your, your recording. You have your editing equipment ready. I use Camtasia and I will tell you that I've made tons of videos in the past, but this one, for some reason, oh, it was just really, really hard for me. And I, I think it took me the longest to make the first and second one than the rest, because I had kind of had to learn how my, and get my stride and how I was going to do stuff. And I'll tell you, if you've never made videos before, if you think you're doing well, and then you mess up, you know, you kind of panic in the middle of making it. Like, what should I do? Should I stop or, you know, go record it again? And, and, um, you know, for a 10 minute video, it can take two to three hours to make and edit and get done. I mean, those little 10 minute videos you see aren't always, what really happened, you know, I understand editing now for sure. But so anyway, the next day after that Thanksgiving, I charged on for the next, I think five or six weeks. And I finally got all seven videos done and there's four hours of videos. And I mean, it took me probably 70 hours to do. I spent every weekend on those things and I got it down to where after video three through seven, I got my stride and I learned how to record better to stop and pause and do all those things, you know, and it's just not like talking on a podcast because you're actually showing people and explaining, and then you have to tell a story. And it's just different than podcasting. It's just more, you know, it's training and, and it can be complicated. So anyway, I got the videos done in December and then I decided to start test marketing them and I got the test marketing done. I got some good responses, but then I just kind of felt like, you know, once it was over, I went out and marketed them and still nobody bought them. So then I felt defeated again, right? Well, then I was like, no, I'm not going to feel defeated because, 
Even though this took me 70 some hours, probably even longer, it's a project I completed. And then I was like, okay, so maybe the average computer shop doesn't want to learn Outlook and invest money into it, you know? So I thought, who else wants to buy these? And that's when my entrepreneurial marketing brain started kicking in. And I thought, you know what? Who does need these? I'm going to tell you who in case you're listening. So this is just some idea brewing. Um, they're intentionally made for a technician to learn the ins and outs of Outlook, right? But then I thought, well, maybe call center people need to, that could, I'm sorry, that could take the class, learn more about Outlook, call centers being in cable companies. You know, I'm just going to throw out some other names, Geek Squad, GoDaddy, you know, the places that hire people front end that might not have a lot of experience, but they can learn it a little bit better. So I'm, you know, I'm just saying I'm going to put that out to the internet that these videos, while a small business might not find value in, the bigger ones might. So if you know anybody, send them my way. I do have a nice marketing um, campaign now for the next year that I'm going to be doing, but I never really told you folks about the videos. So that was the story. I'm not going to push them again, but um, I'll put the link in the notes there so you can check them out. They are priced at uh, 99 bucks, pretty affordable. And I also sell a starter kit. So for those that really don't have any idea about Outlook, and I have another video set um, that just covers the basics of Outlook 2013 and they're applicable for 16 as well. But those are, I think, 69 or 49. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes in that starter kit. So anyway, that's that and we'll move on. Now, I've got three stories I'm going to tell you guys in this show. And then we're going to talk about the next show. The only reason why I'm going to talk about three is because I kind of learned a lot from each one of these stories about my business and people and my capabilities and things I'm going to learn for the future. And these are things I really want to share because when, when we're in a position of being a service company and we take requests, of course, it's easy for us to go, yeah, I can do that job, you know, because generally when people call us, we can do all the work. Um, the first fellow I'm going to talk about called in with a Outlook indexing searching issue. And that, you know, I have fixed many times. It's not difficult, you know. And I told the guy, well, before I even put you on my clock, I'm going to give you some free advice. And I love giving away the free advice first because that to me, if it works, I really don't feel comfortable billing somebody my hourly rate to click a button when I can say for free. And then maybe later in the future, he'll remember and call me back, whatever you know, the typical, they'll come back to you. So I told him that to check an Outlook, I'm going to actually do it on my computer to make sure I'm telling you guys the right thing. So when you go up to your search and Outlook and the, the bar changes at the top, when you hit the search, up at the top, it says search tools, and then it says indexing status. Okay. When Outlook is perfectly indexed and searching right, it should say zero items remaining. And I asked him, how many items are left they're searching? He said 36,000 or something. I said, okay, so here's my free advice. And then after this, we'll know if we have to move into some hardcore troubleshooting. I said, leave your outlook open for as long as you can. And I'm talking probably until it gets down to zero. Now a slow computer, it can take a long time. Um, and if something's wrong with the hard drive, it can maybe take a long time. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of things that would make it never get to zero, right? 
So he said, we'll do. I'll let you know. And a few days later, he called me back and said, yeah, it's still not getting down to zero. And my search is not working. And I said, okay, well, then I'm going to tell you that the next step is quick for me to do, but that's going to take days to probably fix. And I kind of gave the guy a warning that indexing is sometimes not always the easiest to fix because it takes days to fix when you rebuild it. He said, that's fine. So I managed the expectations that it could take a while. Well, I, I took the appointment. I remote his computer. The indexing was still mixed up. Yep. So then we went to the next step, which is you go to the indexing in the control panel of the computer and you have to modify the, um, the directories and then rebuild the index. Now, typically rebuilding the index fixes it. Okay. But the problem is you have to rebuild it, tell the client to wait until it's done. And then, um, then you come back and re-index the outlook. Well, a few days passed, he emailed me and said, it's still not done, still not working. And I think in this situation, uh, the two problems I had with this is that he was on Windows 10, he had a solid state hard drive, and he had a two terabyte drive also. And here's my failures on this, and I'm gonna let you folks know this. And I completely always uh, let people know when I don't know something that's outside my range. And I believe something was wrong with his indexing on both the drives. And I don't know Windows 10 enough with solid state drives with indexing with two drives at this point. So unfortunately, the client and I had to go back and forth. I brought in my friend Scott, who's a technician, to say, hey, Scott, why don't you look at it? Because it might be outside my scope. And he and I did some work together. And he's like, yep, it's all set up right. So we're good to go. We just have to let it index again. And, um, unfortunately, you know, when you re-index that much, it can take days. And at the end of the day, this is like my fourth call with the client, you know, uh, I was ready to just tell him, you know, look, if this doesn't fix it, I'm okay with you finding another technician that's qualified to move on with it. And I'm going to refund you, which I never have to do because I normally fix things like you folks do. You know, you don't have to give someone their money back because you're fixing it. That's what we do for work. Well, right before I sent my email to him, he emailed me and he's, you know, he, he knows that I've been, you know, managing the expectations well. He emailed a very nice email and said, look, it's still not done indexing. It was only 12 hours. <laughs> and he goes, but I think that if you don't think you can fix this, that I need to go in a different direction. And at that point, I emailed him back and said, look, you beat me to the punch. I was just going to email you. I'm more comfortable giving you your money back that I've billed you and you find another technician that knows these problems. And I said, I'm actually going to email you all my notes of the job so they don't have to reinvent the wheel for you. And he said he was very appreciative of that. And honestly, this is the first job I can't even think in how many years I've actually had to say, I just don't know enough to finish it. I'm going to give them their money back. And I didn't feel like a failure. I felt like this was actually an experience for me that I'm going to learn from moving ahead when I get these calls for searches and indexing, because, you know, there's just something that in my troubleshooting that I missed or I didn't know, and I'm not going to charge a client to not fix it. And I think at that point, I've only charged someone for two hours of work anyway in the past for searching and indexing. So I went to felt comfortable even going over that level 
But you know what? It all ended nicely. He hasn't told me what happened. I hope he does. And if he does, I'll share with you guys because this searching indexing can be bullshit. And it doesn't break a lot for people because the trick for Outlook works if you just leave it open. But there was something else wrong, I fear, for him. And I told him that, um, you know, I'm not a hard drive expert, but I told him that I do believe it's something outside of typical issues. So anyway, that job was a complete learning lesson. We ended on a good note. And, and like I said, I gave him back his money happily because it's just, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable doing that to folks. But anyway, here's another job where I do feel comfortable billing somebody for my time. And this one, this story is going to get a little interesting because it's not typical. And I'm going to share it because this is what, this is a really important learning lesson for me. And for you, possibly, if you're one of those people that when someone calls in with a problem, you get so excited that you know how to troubleshoot it, that you actually help them before they're even a solid client yet. And you start giving away advice. Okay. Now in all the years, and you guys have heard me talk about this. I've always said, have your policies in order, you know, get your client agreement done, your payment, and then start the work. Well, there are times that people sneak through the system and they, you know, because of how they're talking and the issue at hand that you tend to maybe screw up the order, right? Okay. So this, this lady calls me on a Friday night and she's like, look, I'm having an outlook issue. I actually called her back on Friday night. Cause I was like, well, might as well see what's going on. Right. Well, she tells me, oh, we've been working on this uh, migration and I think we got it figured out, but I'm so happy that you called on a, on a Friday night. That's awesome. I was like, cool, you know, whatever. Then all the problem is fixed. Saturday afternoon, I got a call from her again and they said, well, we're still having some problems. We could use your help. And my answering service sent me the note and I saw it and I was like, well, I didn't have time to work on it. So I didn't. But then four hours later, I got an urgent call from my answering service and they said, will be available any hour of the day, <laughs> which basically means they're in a panic. Now I've been in the migration panic before I've had problems that I actually, you know, was so freaked out that I needed help right now. And I would have done anything to get help right now. So I felt for them. So I called them back and she starts telling me all the problems and I said, okay, well, here's how my services work. Now I say I'm 149 an hour. I'm usually 199 on a weekend but I'm not going to start troubleshooting with you tonight because it's Saturday night and it's late. Okay. And she goes, no, no problem. She goes, I can be available tomorrow and I have a business trip. I'm not gonna be able to make. So we're going to have to get all this done. There's 10 users involved and all 10 of the outlooks were all messed up. And I said, that's fine. We'll, we'll get it done. I can remote into 10 computers and I'm pretty fast, but, and she goes, okay, fine. So I took her credit card we had the appointment scheduled and I sent her a link to my client agreement form. And then after I felt the job was secured, I start looking up her MX records in MX toolbox and networktools.com. And I'm like, you know what, before I even help you, you got to have your website guy update the DNS records. It's not even pointing to office 365 yet. And she goes, really? And I'm like, yeah, it's not pointing there. And I looked in the auto discover records weren't there. And I was like, so you got to do that first, honey. <laughs> You know, I was being real nice to her and she was like, well, I don't know if the website guy's available tonight. And I said, well, why don't you do your best and let me know tomorrow morning. And if we need to reschedule or whatever, I'm not going to bill you. Okay. 
So, and, I, and I, that's fair. You know, I'm not going to bill her if we're not going to do the work and we can't. Well, the next morning I got an email from her and she said, oh yeah, we got everything figured out. So we don't need that. Thanks. But I'll, I'll let you know on Monday if we need any other help. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what happened. Right? So a week goes by, I get an email from her and she's like, yeah, it turns out that we got everything fixed. So I'm emailing you asking for a refund. When can I expect it? And I was like, wait, okay. So I did say I'd refund her money if she didn't need me, but then I'm like, I did give her the advice on the records not being correct. So I'm like, what happened here? And what happened was she took my information to the website guy. They fixed all the records. So then of course Outlook started working on the computers and I bet you anything that she, cause she had this business trip that she ended up working like all night on it to get those Outlook computers, you know, to syncing and everything. So she could leave because we were scheduled for 10 a.m. Pacific time and I'm guessing that's what she did. So she ended up getting them all done herself. Well, I'm like, well then at that point, my $149 was very valuable to her because she got her job done. And I know when I see records not pointing correctly, I know it's not done yet, right? We know that. Okay. So anyway, I wrote her back and I said, yeah, I'll refund you. But I said, this is where I got, I was like making sure I go, but just to confirm it was the, the, the DNS records, right? And she goes, yep, it was the auto discovery. It wasn't set up. So there you go. I had it in notes that my advice helped. And I'm like thinking, well, how, I just don't know. I just didn't feel comfortable with it still because she, you know, I gave her all this great advice in that time on the phone. I would have been thankful and just said, keep that 150. It saved me, you know? But so to me, she kind of came off as a person that was like, not thankful for the advice and just really kind of rude about it too. I just felt she was rude about it. Now, actually, I'll just say not rude, but not a professional note. She left it on, you know, that would have been me. And I paid a guy to tell me what I was doing wrong. I would have been like, keep that. And actually let me pay you more because you just saved my ass. And I'm the kind of person that when I get my butt saved from somebody, I am very thankful. And she just didn't really seem thankful either. So then I was like, okay, well now I'm not comfortable with this. So how do I deal with this? You know, uh, I already refunded her and I just didn't feel comfortable. And so I went to the next level and I contacted the company that she was contracted for. And I just said, Hey, you know what? Here's what happened last weekend. I wrote down all my detailed notes and I just said, I just wanted to let you know that I didn't feel that this gal, uh, showcased your company in a professional manner. And she left it on a very unprofessional note. I did it. I felt better. I felt like the boss needed to know and that I didn't feel comfortable with that. And he wrote back and said, unfortunately, it was a very rough time for that contractor because they were switching websites and they ended up doing a migration that wasn't expected. Well, because she didn't know what she was doing. This happens a lot with webmasters, I think too, because they don't understand the whole exchange thing. They understand generic email. I'm not putting blame out there, but I'm just saying website people tend to think that email is just no big deal, you know? And he said, um, and he was like, you know, I didn't know about this. Sorry about this. I'll make sure to share this with her if that's okay, because Hey, it's a learning lesson. And she probably does need to learn that you just can't treat a professional 
company like that, in my opinion. And uh, so then I was like, you know, or actually he finished the email by saying, look, you know what? If you send an invoice, I'd like to pay you. Now, in my email to him, I said, I'm not, I didn't even mention the payment or something like that. It just was, it wasn't my part of my agenda to tell him that I wanted money. I wanted to share the experience with him. So, you know, he knew. And uh, so anyway, I sent the invoice and they didn't pay it. And I'm like, whatever, I, I'm not going to care. Well, then later on, she sends me this huge, long email. Well, actually, before that email, he did send me another email, a short one saying, well, the girl actually said what you did did not help. And, and you know, at this point, I was like, okay, I'm not going to battle back and forth. I really just wanted him to know how unprofessional she was about this. And um, then I said, look, here's the deal. She called me three times on a weekend. I told her the, up the records weren't up updated. The next day, she said they were done. So, yes, it was done, you know. And I'm just still, the point wasn't really the money. I just wanted to prove that I, I told her the right information. Okay. So, anyway, I just wrote back and said that. Then later on that night, she sent me this huge email and actually it was just so full of garbage that I was like, girlfriend, I don't know what web you're spinning, but you're a website person, master, whatever. You don't know anything about email. And she had like 10 excuses. And then she actually closed it off by saying, well, I think that you and the webmaster would have clashed. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then she thanked me by saying that something about, I don't know. I actually, at the end, read it, laughed, deleted it. And I'm not going to, I deleted the invoice from my system. So if they go to try to pay it, it's not going to show up. I'm like, honestly, this wasn't supposed to go like that. And I didn't really want the payment. But you know what? I think, would I have been better off just not saying anything? But then I just have to say to you guys, this thing really bothered me. And I think what bothered me more was that I should have changed the expectation at the end to say, I'm going to start billing you now. You know what I mean? But I still think she would have done the same thing. She just wanted those. She just wanted to know what was wrong. She's been a, a, a panic for two days and she's one of those people that just didn't care and think that my advice wasn't worth the money. So anyway, moving ahead, the learning lesson of this is, you know, you get your job booked, you get the client agreement done. Once the form is done, and completed and payments in your account, then you start giving away those little free advices that probably are going to fix a job or not. And, um, I actually did a training course, uh, last week to a few technicians called how to sell and support prepaid tickets. And the, the theory of why I sell prepaid tickets is the same thing. You have the money in your account. Yes or no is free. Anything else is billable. And for that gal, I, I, there was no yes or no. I had to tell her what was wrong before I could help her. And that's what kind of put me in this bind. So at that point, I, I should have just said, fill out my agreement form. Then we have it on the books. Then I'll take your money and then we'll start some troubleshooting. And then I, I would have had it documented. I mean, I had it documented anyway, but I just would have had more to go back to the boss with, I think. And, you know, it was only 149 bucks. But honest to gosh, it was one of those things that I'm like, I'm never going to forget this again. And if you don't bill people up front and you invoice them after the job, that's fine. I, I'm just the person that does take money up front all the time because I deal with literally random strangers off the internet every day. 
So my processes work, my policies work, but then again, I find myself getting screwed over, but I learn from it, so it ain't going to happen again. Well, it will, because I'll mess up again, but hopefully it won't be this kind of lesson. And finally, we're going to close the show with the cute little story I had about a migration that went way wild. And you guys know I love my migration gone wild stories. Um, this client had a domain. It was, boy, I'm trying to explain how it even went. She had a domain with a subdomain that was managed by a local IT company on a local exchange server. And uh, I knew this going into the job too. So I was like, okay, I've done this before. Once we get them off their server into the online exchange with Office 365, everything should be hunky-dory. And I do know about the DNS local domain server updates. We've talked about that on other shows, that you do have to have that locally updated. But unfortunately, because this job went kind of crazy, it didn't get done that way. But so I'm going to go back to the start of the job. So um, the client has about four gigs of data. I back that all up. I'm very comfortable. I got a good backup. All is fine. I'm comfortable with cutting over the servers. All is well. I go make a new profile for the client. Working great. I upload. And I was doing this manually, by the way. And I usually still do my one mailboxes by hand, okay? So I start importing the data down or from the from the backup on the C drive to the new profile that's connected to the new exchange. All is well, all the folders show up first. There's hundreds, you know, and all the hundreds of folders start coming down. They're all set, they're there. Okay, then about three hours later, uh, I don't know what happened. I don't believe I closed Outlook but Outlook was closed and I will go to open it and it pops up a login credentials. And I was like, this does not look good. And it was for the local domain. And I was like, Oh God, no, this can't be. I've already worked with her on this issue in the past, but when her server was local, it was fine. And I was like, this is not good. And I tried putting it in, tried putting it in. It wouldn't, it wouldn't let me do it because I was in the profile of the new exchange. I closed Outlook again and then popped up the horrifying error of, um, this, uh, God, I can't remember it. There's been a temporary mailbox issue, blah, 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 which I don't see often, but I, I just was like, you gotta be shitting me. It, it actually crashed during the upload of the migration and I was starting to panic. Because I knew this temporary mailbox issue, it lets you pick the temporary mailbox or the old data. And either way, you're screwed, okay? Because the old data goes back to the old profile, which I'm not using, and the temporary one doesn't work either because I couldn't log in through the domain. And I don't know, but I was so angry. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I literally was like, this, this migration was supposed to go smoother than this, you know? So, um... I had to think about it. How do I fix this? And when you're in a state of panic, now, unlike the last gal I talked about who doesn't know anything about fixing it, I had to go into how do I fix this? Because it's just me, you know? And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, okay, so the email was only halfway uploaded. What do I do? How am I going to do this? Do I, do I remove her mailbox? 
and get a fresh one. Now, remember, this is about 530 at night, okay? Or, so I, here's my here's my choices. First, I got to fix this issue. But secondly, I was like, how do I get that data back without messing it up? So my two choices were to make a whole new mailbox and delete the old one and start over or to import the do, import the backup into the new profile without duplicates. And that kind of got me scared because I was like, oh my God, she's got hundreds of folders. What if that duplicates those? I was like, well, you know what? At least I could throw away the mailbox and start over, right? So worst case scenarios, it just doesn't work. Okay, so then I thought, all right, I got to fix this issue on her computer though. So she's on a domain and her computer's on the domain and this isn't taking. And thank God she had 2013 so I could manually set it up and bypass. So anyway, I had to get on my thinking cap and I went, all right, so let's do this. Let's call the client and see if I can upload her PST file I backed up to Dropbox. And then I will get the, her file up on Dropbox over to my computer. And then I'll set up her new Office 365 exchange on my computer and then I will import that in and let it sit overnight. Client said, go for it. And the thing is, we, I already knew we had drama to deal with on the desktop. My, the last thing I want to do is not have all her email migrated, okay? So I actually bought my company a Dropbox account for client data, <laughs> believe it or not. I was like, I'm just going to buy a Dropbox account for that. Then I could clear it out and delete it and it's always fresh. And, um, I went and bought that, uploaded the PST. She had a really fast internet there. Thank God it didn't take long at all. In the meanwhile, I was on my computer letting her old stuff download. I got 50 meg or 50 get whatever, 50 meg down. So I was good and her stuff was down. I got the Dropbox. I put it on my computer and imported it and it did not do duplicates. So let me just tell you that was so exciting for me. And I left her profile up all night long on my computer and by morning all the mail was there and done and I was super excited because at least my part of that is completed now we had to work on the dude getting the domains fixed for her and um and she, she travels a lot too so she's popping in and off those domains all the time and I was like we just can't have this issue so he's a really great IT guy I worked with him a lot the next day and gave him all my, you know, recommendations for what I know. And they said they'd work on it on their end so she could uh, take her laptop to and from domains and not have that problem. And I got to let you guys know that I work with a lot of IT guys. And the, the thing I love about that is they know their stuff. I know my stuff. Together we can cohesively get the job done. And I believe that comes with managing expectations. You guys have heard me say this a lot. And, and the thing is I've learned is every time... I know something bad is going to happen. I always tell the clients what can happen before, just so they know. Even if nothing bad happens, later on I can say, well, I warned you about that. Or I mentioned that might happen. Or remember, this is going to take longer. And that's how I just kind of feel that I don't have the bad, you know, customer service anymore. Of like the oh shit moments. Like I didn't know that was going to happen because I have so many years of experience now of dealing with things that I'm... I kind of come more prepared to the job, you know, and that, uh, that gives me some wiggle room when there is something bad <laughs> that does happen. All right, folks. So that is the three big stories today. I had, um, everything was a learning lesson somehow sad, happy or whatever. Um, I got two shows coming up that we're just going to talk about topics. Okay. The, the next show I'm going to talk about is top outlook software syncing tools. 
um, with all the stuff going on with exchange and people not wanting to move to it and all that kind of stuff. Um, I dedicate a whole show to all the top tools I use and some learning lessons about those and the kind of calls I get from people, how I interview them and the pricing and all the free stuff. It's going to be a good show. I think it'll be really good. I'll have that out by next weekend. And today is January 22nd. And then the show after that, I'm going to talk about Gmail and it's security issues and things I've learned about using those, uh, well, I mean, if you folks are listening, you probably deal with this two-step verification. That's not a big deal. But now that the Gmail's um, incorporated this app's password in, I've got some tips for you all. And actually, I might do that show before the syncing tools, actually, because I probably should, because that's a little more hot topic with the Gmail phishing that's been going on lately, which I got to tell you, just completely gives me a horrible memory of last summer with the whole John Podesta phishing thing that that I believe started this excitement because, you know, the phishing that email he got is real similar to the ones that our clients are seeing now. And yeah, it does look awesome too, or not awesome, but it looks so good that you're like, yeah, let me go change my password. But what I, what I've been trying to teach people is, did you ask for a password reset? What were you doing that caused that to happen? You know, I make people think because I've had a client last weekend that got Gmail hacked really bad. And I'll tell that story during that show. But, um, but yeah, this, this whole fishing thing, I got, it's getting really out of hand, but so you know what? I am going to do that. I'm going to do that show. Then the syncing tools, because that's a little more trending and hot topics, but this app's password thing can be a struggle if you're setting it up with the outlook. So I'm going to try to give you guys some tips on that. All right. So I'm going to close up the show here. If you have a story you want to share or be a guest on the show, or just send me an email and tell me things or whatever, you can email me, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. You can also hire me if you want to help with your migration or Outlook issues. Uh, just last week, I had a technician say, look, I want to hire you for two hours just to have you on the book. So if I need you, you're there. I was like, sweet. I already talked to you all the time anyway, so it'd be nice to get paid for the help. <laughs> he was like, I feel the same way. I want to pay you for those quick things. So if you're a tech listening and you just want me on a little plan too for help, I'll put you on one. And I've been doing my newsletters more. So I'm going to put a link in the, um, a link in the show notes to also sign up for my newsletters and, uh, put you on the list there. So this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thank you to our sponsor at River and Podbean, and we will see you next week, folks. Bye-bye.